What's happening, people? Welcome back to another edition of CodePod. I'm your host, Joanne, and I'm back today with another edition of the CodePod. We've got a number of things on the agenda to discuss, so stay locked in. As always, follow me on socials at Johan Yo on Twitter and Instagram, and follow Communicado for Shao's accounts at Communicado Offy on Twitter and Communicado underscore on Instagram. Now, without further ado, we're going to get straight into it. Like I said, a number of things on the agenda to discuss. Of course, we're going to start off with a Premier League review. Then we're going to get on to a very brief APA review. And then the final part, we're going to look ahead to Tuesday to Thursday's Champions League and Europa League. So stay locked in and uh, enjoy this podcast. All right, let's get started with the Premier League review. We're going to start with uh, Saturday's action and uh, the weekend action kicked off at St. James's Park with Chelsea winning 2-0 goals from Tammy Abraham and an own goal in the first half from Federico Fernandez. Now, very comfortable for Chelsea. Newcastle didn't really threaten them. I thought their approach was quite cowardly in all honesty. I thought on another day, Chelsea probably should have had more. Timo Werner's finishing... It wasn't really his day in front of goal. Should have scored in the first half. And then again in the second where, inexplicably, he tries to lay it off to Tammy Abraham instead of going for goal himself. Probably should have taken it on. He did get an assist in the end goal to um, assist Tammy Abraham's goal. Lovely driving run. Carries the ball. Uh, plays it inside to... Plays it inside to Tammy Abraham who has a simple job of just uh, tucking it past Carl Darlow. Chelsea, good value for the three points, and they look like a top four outfit. They look like a very solid side. Of course, you can see how big of an upgrade Edward Mendy is compared to Kepa, who had been suffering, long-suffering in goal. And now, yeah, going into the game against Tottenham next weekend, is uh, ideal preparation, of course. They now have to focus on uh, their trip to Rennes in the Champions League on Tuesday afternoon. But, uh, yeah... They'll be confident of a win against their, their London rivals. Of course, they've only lost once at home to them in best part of 30 years. That one time when Deli Ali did the madness and scored twice and then uh, Ericsson scored the banger just before half-time. But aside from that, they'll be they'll be fairly confident. Of course, they won this game last season. Goals from Olivier Giroud and uh, Marcus Alonso in the first half before Lemena's goal right in the end. So, yeah, they'll be confident of winning the game, but that's for their game against Newcastle. Very solid performance. Well-deserving of the three points. Now, the three o'clock game on Saturday. Aston Villa 1, Brighton 2. I got this wrong in my prediction. And for me, I wasn't impressed with Aston Villa, really and truly. I wasn't impressed with them. Of course, they were... <laughs> they came to the Emirates, absolutely did a number on us. Absolutely bad. That's 3-0. But, yeah, Brighton were... Very structured in their play, and they they picked their moments well. Went to attack. Of course, the first goal. Not sure what on earth Aston Villa were doing at the back, playing with such a high line. Danny Welbeck gets in behind the defence, has to carry the ball quite a long way. But in the end, when it came to when it came to the finish, when it came to be cool, calm, composed, one on one, up against Emmy Martinez, sits him down, dinks it over him, one nil, deservedly for Brighton. And from then on, it was about. It was about game management. Of course, they conceded the goal very early in the second half from a free kick. Free kick whipped in right at the start of the second half. Free kick whipped in by Bertrand Traore. 
and uh, near the far post, um, my man Ezri Konsa gets on the end of it. Lovely side footy finish past uh, Matt Ryan to make it 1-1. And from then on, you thought, okay, that's the riddle. They patterned. Uh, Dean Smith patterned them at halftime. They're going to come out and they're going to win the game. But no, Brian, fair play to them. They responded straight away. They responded straight away. Kept on going forward again, and they get a lovely goal, lovely winner from Sonny March, curling the ball past Martinez, no chance. And from then on, they saw out the game really well. I don't think Villa threatened them like that. Of course, towards the end, a bit of a madness happened. Of course, Tariq Lamptey got two yellow cards in quick succession, got himself sent off, and then right at the end... Villa thought they'd had a penalty when uh, Trezeguet went down from a touch from Sonny March, but the replay shown, I think, quite rightly, that March won the ball. March won the ball, and uh, Trezeguet, I'm not trying to say that he died, but he certainly made a meal of the contact. And so it wasn't a penalty. Villa, Villa have to take it on the chin, have to take an L on the chin. I think that's their third home defeat in a row, which isn't good for them. Brighton get the three points. Their first win against Brighton. I mean, no, sorry, their first win away at Villa Park in their histories, which is really good for them. Uh, the third game, the marquee game of the weekend, Tottenham against Manchester City. Of course, Manchester City knew coming into this game that uh, being in mid-table, if they want to be fighting for the lead, they have to go away to... They have to go away to their big six rivals and get points. And once again, they went to away to Spurs. Once again, they lost two goals to nil. Very early goal from Son. Lovely ball from uh, Endombele over the top. City's defence at six and sevens. Laporte, Laporte tracking. Uh, Laporte going one way. My man Diaz going the other way. Not sure what he was doing. Cancelo and Walker all over the place. Edison charging out like a madman. Son, Son just places it under him. 1-0, early lead. And Jose Mourinho, you're giving a Jose Mourinho team a lead to protect. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to sit back, soak up depression, try hit man on the break. And that's exactly what they did all game. Okay, City had loads of shots. They had the disallowed goal from Laporte after handball from Jesus in the build-up. But apart from that, what did Man City really create? I'm seeing them get into good attacking positions. They have a, they're in a good position to cross the ball in. You have Bernardo Silva trying to turn back in onto his favourite left foot. Same things going for De Bruyne, for Mares, for Jesus, for Sterling when he came on, Foden when he came on. Rodri was trying to get forward, but um, he was getting caught out. They were leaving gaps in between the defence time and time again. And it just it just wasn't happening for Manchester City in an attacking sense. Um and Spurs punished him for it. Get the second goal, uh, work it well down the left. Harry Kane sets in uh, Lo Celso. And once again, Edison, what are you doing? You don't need to come charging out like a madman. If he just stays, well, if he just comes comes out a little bit, like it's a much tighter angle for Lo Celso to try and score from. But Edison comes out like a madman, like I said, and he sort of makes... <laughs> He sort of makes the decision for Lo Celso as to where he's going to place the shot. He just has to place it under him, and he does that. 2-0. 0 City are in big trouble, and to be honest, with the way the game was going, never looked like scoring. So, with, uh, with all due respect, as soon as that goal went in, I think everyone knew it was game over in that perspective. And that leaves Manchester City 13th in the table. Manchester City, 13th, with all their attacking firepower. 13th in the table. 
that's not good enough. It's really, really not good enough. And they need to buck up their ideas if they want to be fighting for the title because it's not happening for them at the moment. They really need, really, really need to get their act together. Sharpish, otherwise the title is looking like a myth again. And so the final game on Saturday, Manchester United won, West Brom nil. Fortunate, West Manchester United, okay. I think they comfortably had the better chances to win the game, but they were very sloppy, very poor, very laboured in possession. The intensity wasn't there. I think um, final ball wasn't there. The finishing wasn't there. No, nothing was really there. It just wasn't really happening for Manchester United. And they caught life a couple of times. Of course, there's the penalty, which West Brom got, well, initially got, after Bruno Fernandes brought down... Uh, Conor Gallagher in the box for some reason. I don't know what. I don't know if them VAR officials were in Stardog or something, but someone tells the referee to go and look at it and then the referee decides to overrule it. I'm not sure why because it's it's a clear foul. It's a foul. Like, it is just a foul. I'm not sure why he overturned it, but he overturned it. West Brom didn't get a penalty. United go up the other end, get a penalty of their own when Matters Cross is uh, comes off the arm of Darnell Furlong. Bruno Fernandez first penalty saved by Johnson, but it had to be retaken because uh, Johnson was off his line. Second penalty, Fernandez sticks it in the back of the net. One nil, job done. United get three points despite playing despite not playing well, and it moves them into the top half of the table. They are currently. They are currently, well, actually, no, I'm lying. Not in the top half of the table. They're currently 11th. Currently 11th. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll be back in a second. I'm just going to get a slice, get a, get a drink of water. Then we'll discuss Sunday's action and then Monday's action. <clears throat> Apologies, people. On to Sunday's action now. We had the early game, which was. Um, Fulham against Everton. Uh, Fulham 2, Everton 3. I thought Everton started off the game very well. They got the goal inside 45 seconds. Well, actually, not even that. Earlier than that, 42 seconds from Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Good work from Richarlison down the left. Crosses it in. Calvert-Lewin gets on the end of it. And you think he's going to be a long, long day for Fulham. Credit to them, though. They did uh, respond. Uh, they got an equaliser through Bobby Reid. But then, from then on, Everton's quality started to show again. Of course, uh, Calvert-Lewin got his second after a lovely crossing from Luca Dean. And then, a few minutes later, Luca Dean uh, gets in again to the byline, crosses it in. Abdullah Decore heads it in for his first goal for Everton. Three went up at the break. But in the second half, it's a completely different story. The game completely turned on its head. The Everton were getting pinned back. Fulham made changes. They made some early changes. They brought on um, they brought on Mitrovic and uh, Loftus Cheek. Uh, what else happened? They had a penalty with twenty minutes to go, which uh, Loftus Cheek did well to win. But uh, even Cavalera slipped and he ballooned over the bar. Two minutes later, though, they did get uh, another goal. Loftus Cheek, um, uh, Loftus Cheek scoring. Fortunately, Fulham Houghton Park weren't able to get the equaliser. Everton, uh, Everton get three points after three games on the spin, which they lost. So, performance needs to improve, but they'll be happy to get the three points after a miserable run in the league. The second game on uh, Sunday saw uh, 
West Ham win away at Sheffield United, and this is another game I got wrong in my prediction. I knew I should have dispatched West Ham to win Sheffield, but uh, I I thought Sheffield would be better, but they just won. Didn't play well at all. Never really looked like scoring. The goal in the end, which separated the two sides, was an absolute banger from Sebastian Allaire. Gets the ball in the edge of the area after a pass from four now. First time, first time, bangs it. Top bins, no chance for Ramsdale. Lovely goal. Top bins. West Ham win the game. Deservedly so. Far better side. Far superior. Sheffield United playing with some bullshit diamond. Apologies for my language, but it just didn't work for them. They look toothless up front. Defensively suspect as well, and it's going to be a long season for Sheffield. I think we can see that already. West Ham... An interesting side. If they want to be consistent, then, you know, maybe, especially with their fixes coming up, because they've navigated a very tough period recently. Of course, like I mentioned in the previous podcast, they've already faced Spurs, Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal, uh, Leicester, Wolves. The only, the only real big sides they haven't faced yet are Manchester United, who they actually face very soon, and Chelsea. So, apart from that, they've got a lot of winnable games coming up. So, if they can start getting some consistency, who knows? They could they could very well find themselves in the Europa League. Well, certainly the European football discussion come January, January, February, or even December, as early as that. So, yeah, good win for them. Moves them up to ninth from the table. Yeah, moves them up to ninth from the table. And uh, they'll be looking to continue their good form in their next game, which is up against. I'm not sure. Who is your next game? Who is your next game? The next game is up against. Apologies. Who is the next game? Aston Villa at home. So. Yeah, they'll be looking for three points against them. Next Monday, they face Aston Villa at home, so it's good for them. The third game, the full 30 kickoff on Sunday. And uh, my boys, Arsenal, very disappointing, folks, at least from my perspective. Very disappointing performance. Uh, fortunate to get away with a point in the end. They finished full time, Leeds nil, Arsenal nil. Uh, of course, we were reduced down to 10 men early in the second half when Nicola Pepe. Inexplicably headbutted uh, Alioski. Not sure what he was doing. He let himself down. He let the team down. And now he's in the position where, look, people were asking for him to start games. People were asking for Arteta to put him in the team. He's got an opportunity against Leeds. He wasn't poor in the 51 minutes he played, but he certainly wasn't offering a lot defensively and certainly leaving a lot to be desired in an attacking sense. And then he goes and gets so sent off in early in the second half. It's like, you want, you've been talking about wanting the manager to trust you, not being happy, not getting a run of games. He's given you an opportunity to prove your worth and you've gone and done that. So if Arteta decides that he wants to bin him off, he decide, if he decides to shag him and do a Mourinho thing, try to leave him on the bench for however long, not playing him, barely using him like that, can't complain. Can't complain because he's back to square one. He can't complain the manager doesn't want ever want to trust him like that again. So he shot himself in the foot. It's just... 
cool, but we can't use the red card as an excuse as to why we didn't win the game because we didn't offer anything in an offence, in an attacking sense. We were very poor. We only had two shots on target, and even then, one substantial target is just like two like half chances that fell to Bamiang on the on the swivel, and it's what it is. Uh, Leeds. Leeds will be kicking themselves that they didn't win the game. They had 24 shots, but only four on target. No, sorry, 22 shots, but only four on target. Hit the woodwork three times. Rafinha in the 94th minute. Rodrigo, when he came on, just after he came on, hitting the bar. And then uh, another one in, in added time when uh, Bamford hit the post. So, yeah, apart from that, Leeds finishing was very full. I thought... Um, they created a lot of chances, though. I'm, I'm really impressed with their methods of transcreation. They look like they're very good at breaking down low blocks. They've got, um, of course, with their overlapping fullbacks, the way they like to play through the middle, they're, they're aggressive, they're direct, they play through the middle, they're quick, they move the ball quickly. And a lot of the time, I thought credit to Arsenal because we hold, we held firm, I thought the defence... Bellerin aside, um, stood up to be counted. I think um, Gabriel was poor in the first half, but he certainly woke up in the second. When the going got tough, he woke up and he showed that he was on this team. Tierney, again, a little poor in the first half, but when the going got tough, definitely came into his own. Leno made some very good saves, kept us in the game, first half and second half. Bellerin, like I said, very poor. Holding is getting a bit of criticism on uh, on Twitter. But I thought he had a decent game at the back. Uh, as for the midfielders, uh, Jacques and Ceballos, again, not really protecting us defensively and not really offering anything offensively either. So, average games from those two. Um, Pepe, like I said, let the team down, got himself sent off. We look, he's playing a weird role where he was sort of, he's basically man marking Calvin Phillips, but didn't really work. That in in general, our whole man marking marking approach didn't really work because didn't really work because we weren't being aggressive enough. We weren't being intense enough without pressing. We weren't counter pressing particularly well either. Uh, and um, obviously, we know that Jacques and Sabayos aren't really the most mobile of centre mids. So. Um, at some point, when Leeds started um, moving the ball really quickly, I think we recognised that we were in trouble as if we didn't uh, hold firm defensively. But I thought our defensive unit was very good for us in this game. Uh, who else is there? William, very poor. Very, very poor. Dragged off at half-time. Abamian, non-existent. And he's been very poor. He was put, finally, for once, he was put centrally, but again, nowhere to be seen. So... Very poor performance. I think Saka was very good when he came on. Uh, pray to God that he's not injured. Seriously, of course, he had to come off very late on injury time. Nelson was decent when he came off the bench, but his set pieces were little poor. His delivery, very poor. But I think he did his bit defensively. Obviously, Maitland now is not really too much to say about him. But yeah, Leeds, like I said, very impressive, and but they'll be kicking themselves that they didn't win the game. They had more than enough chances to put us away. Should have been one tuning up at the break, and certainly when you're playing the team that's down to 10 men, you should be taking advantage of it. And uh, they didn't do that. We caught life. We escaped with a clean sheet and a point. I'm not sure how, but we're not playing well, man. We're not playing well. We're not... We're struggling to break teams down. We're struggling to create chances. We don't really have man that can break the lines. No one's trying to make runs like that. 
And the only guys that do make runs are just very frustrating to watch and very inconsistent. So we're a very flawed team and there's many issues. Of course, you can say we were missing party, but party ain't the saviour. He's not the saviour. We need everyone to be on this thing. And if you're not, if we're not collectively, we'll, we have no chance of getting top four. Even, even winning the Europa League, that's a myth because, yeah, we can perform in one-off games, but... Whenever we come up against quality opposition, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, and I'm sick of it. I'm really, really sick to death of it. It's just boring. It's just frustrating. I'm fed up of talking about it. We need to fix up, and that starts with the Europa League on Thursday. We need to fix up. But anyway, move on to the last game of Sunday, and that was Liverpool beating Leicester 3-0 at Anfield. Absolutely wiped the floor with them from start to finish. Battered them. Battered them. Very impressive performance from Liverpool and it served as a reminder that they're far and away, they are far and away the best team in the Premier League, in England. Only team that's really trying to chat to them in the world is Bayern Munich. That's it. No one else can chat to them because even with all the injuries they had, no Salah, no Van Dijk, no Trent, no Gomez, no... Who else are they missing no Henderson, no Thiago. All of those players missing. Still wiped the floor with Leicester. You wouldn't have known they weren't playing. They didn't need any of them. Milner was on his thing at right back. Uh, Gomez and Fabinho, Matip and Fabinho were on their thing at the back. Robertson, of course, proving why he's, proving why he's the best left back in the world. Jota was on his team, scored a good goal, good header. Firmino finally got him amongst the goals again. Mane didn't score, but... As always, his usual threatening self. Curtis Jones was very good in midfield. Wijnaldum was good in midfield. Naby Keita, before he came off, injured very good. Nico Williams, when he came on, very good. On the whole, just very assured performance. And for me, in hindsight, really and truly, Liverpool aren't in mad danger of losing out on the title unless all of their hitters go down. If like if Jota and Mane and Salah are all injured for an extended amount of time, then yeah, then we have to start look looking at Liverpool and saying, okay, now you're in serious trouble because yeah, for me, you can get you goals, but can you rely on him to be the main source of goals? No. Are you going to rely on Diva Karigi to be a to be a source of goals consistently like that? No. Are you going to rely on Shakiri? No. Are you going to rely on Minamino? No. So. As long as Liverpool have their main hitters in the team, they'll still find ways to win to win games because they create so many chances. They've got quality players up front. Jota was an inspired signing. He is a quality, quality attacker. And I think, I think Liverpool will be more than fine if one of Salah and Mane decide to go for a new challenge in the summer. I think they're more than fine. They've got a good replacement right there. Diogo Jota, what a signing. He's four goals in four Anfield games in the Premier League. And yeah, what more can I say about Liverpool, really? Quality, quality performance. Deserve their three points. Deserve the three goals. Leicester, I have to go back to the drawing board. This was a chance for them to show to show that they're on this top four thing. They were hiding. They were hiding. Nowhere to be found. I thought Fofano has been really good this season. Uh, under the bright lights of Anfield, they got him a little bit. Got him a little bit. He wasn't his normal self, but... It will land in it. He's a young lad. He's a young lad. You have to go through these experiences. You learn more in you learn more in defeat than you do in victory. So here's what it is. Go back to the drawing board. 
go back to the drawing board, accept you, I'll take on the chin, and you can move on. So, yeah, that's the Sunday action. Now, finally, on to Monday's action, we had the two games, like I said. First game, Burnley against Crystal Palace. Burnley won 1-0. Early goal from Chris Wood, a mistake from Jekyll Kiyate. Allowed, allowed Burnley to work the ball in, and uh, Chris Wood fired straight past Hennessy. Only goal of the game, to be fair. Should have had a second in the second half when uh, Goodmanson hit the bar. But yeah, I was very disappointed with Palace, of course, missing Wilfred Zaha because he was self-isolating. Didn't really hear too much about that in the build-up to the game. But yeah, another disappointing defeat for Palace, another disappointing performance, toothless performance. For Burnley, they're loving life. First win of the season, clean sheet at home, first home goal of the season, finally moves them out of the relegation zone, and now they can look forward with a little bit of optimism. It was a good performance today against Palace. And yeah, the final game of the weekend, Wolves won, Southampton won. Bang on prediction. And this was an even game, I thought. I thought Wolves shaded the first half. I think it was a game where there were mad chances, but certainly the second half, Southampton started there. They deserved to take the lead. Uh, Theo Walcott getting his first goal for Southampton in 15 years. But credit to Wolves, they uh, came back fighting. They equalised. Jimenez's shot hit the bar, not the bar, the post, and uh, Pedro Neto was following up. Smashes home the rebound. Wolves get a point, 1-1. And yeah, I think in the end, draw is fair. I think um, neither team really did enough to win the game. But yeah, that's the end of the Premier League action. Now we're going to move on to the ABBA review. So now we're going to go into the ABBA review. Like I said, not much to report this week because uh, only one of them played. And even that was a brief cameo for Jude Bellingham off the bench. But we'll start off with... Um, uh, a bit of an explanation on the others. So Ronaldo Vieira, of course, got injured in that in training after that game against Venezia in the cup. He's missed a few games. He missed a game at the San Siro against Milan just before the international break. And he missed uh, Sunday afternoon's fixture against Sassuolo. Now Sassuolo, of course, riding high at the top of the table, went away to Hellas and uh, beat him two goals to nil through... Lovely goal from Jeremy Boga in the first half. Um, coming in off the left, just cold it. Lovely curling shot into the far corner. And then midway through the second half, Domenico Berardi scored the second goal to seal all three points for the visitors. And keeps Sassuolo on AC Milan's coattails at the top of Serie A. They're still second in the league. They're doing very well for themselves. So next we're going to get on to... To Jonathan Panzo, who um, again didn't feature for Dijon, of course. The last game is actually suspended. But in this game against Lyon, they lost 1 0 at home through a really dumb, dumb, dumb goal. So, like, it's a, it's a very strange goal. It's like, um, basically, Dijon are just uh, holding the ball at the back. I think Aquelia Manga plays the ball back to his goalkeeper, Ashoki. I don't know what he's trying to do. He's like trying to... I think he's trying to get into position so he can just boo it out. But the lone striker, Kalimwendo, closes him down. I think um, I think Rachopi slipped. 
and he he desperately tried to clear it away, but Calimundo um, closed him down, blocked his clearance, and it just went straight to the back of the net. A really dumb way to concede that they ended up being the only goal of the game, and it's just it's goals like that, and you just uh, you just bang your head. It's like these are stupid stupid goals and stupid points that Nijon given away, and it's why they're stuck at the bottom of the table. As for Panzer not playing, like he was on the bench. And uh, like many of the Dijon fans were, I was very confused as to why he was holding bench because he's been very good for them this season. I don't know, maybe the new manager doesn't really fancy what he's seen of him in training, but let's hope he he can regain his place sooner rather than later so I can keep writing about him. Uh, now we're going to Germany, Ravi Matondo, once again, not um, featuring for Schalke. And at this point, it's just it's just really disappointing. It's just really depressing having to report on that all the time. Of course, this week, um, he's actually injured. I think he got injured in international duty. Well, that's what Schalke said. They said he had a fight injury. As for Schalke themselves, are you surprised? I said they were going to lose in the preview, and they did just that. They lost 2-0. Both goals coming inside the opening 25 minutes. Just first goal, three minutes in, corner comes in. Forgot who scored, but it's a simple header back and that one nil down. Your back's against the wall. Second goal, again, very simple. Glasner scores. Of like, it's, like, it's a well-worked goal from Wolfsburg. They work it well down the left and uh, it's just a simple finish at the end of it. Wolfsburg get an easy 2-0 win. Schalke still at the bottom of the table and they're struggling. They really are struggling. And so uh, on to the final game, the only game where we actually have something to talk about from. And uh, to be fair, it was actually a very interesting game. Half of Berlin 2, Borussia Dortmund 5. Of course, the headlines will, all, will go to um, Erling Haaland. For scoring four goals in the second half after being after Dortmund were a goal down at the break. Uh, as for Jaden Sancho, he didn't come off the bench. He was on a new substitute. Jude Bellingham came on um, with half an hour remaining. I think it was still 2-1 at the time. Yeah, it was 2-1 at the time when he came on. He got an assist, which is good for him. He assisted the fifth and final goal of the game. It was, uh, again, a good move from Dortmund, working it well for the thirds. Um, I think he played a 1-2. I think it was a 1-2 with Bellingham or something like that. 1-2 between Bellingham and under uh, Holland. Bellingham sets him through. Haaland takes it first time. He puts it past the goalkeeper. He gets his fourth for the game. Well done to him. So, yeah, assist for Bellingham. No minutes for Sancho off the bench. A good solid half hour off the bench for Bellingham after playing for England during the international break. So he's continuing in a good way. And he'll look to build on that as they move back into Champions League action against Club Bruges on Tuesday, I believe. So yeah, that's the end of the Abba review. Nothing really to report. Now we're going to move on to the final part of uh, this pod which will be the Champions League and Europa League preview so on to the final part of this pod we're going to get into previewing the Champions League and Europa League action starting on Tuesday so the early kickoffs we've got FC Krasnodar hosting Sevilla now I need to refresh myself with the groups now Sevilla going into this game of course joint top of 
joint top along with Chelsea. And in the return fixture, Sevilla had to struggle their way to a 3-2 win against Krasnodar. I remember that. Jesus Navas got sent off. Krasnodar were tuning up, but Sevilla pulled it back 1-3-2. So in this return fixture, I think... Um, well, actually, no. I believe that Sevilla will seal progression to the next round as long as they win. That is right, right? Yeah, that is right. If um, Yeah, that is correct. They will seal progression to the next round if they win the game. So for them, they'll probably be looking to get the game wrapped up as soon as possible. I don't believe Krasnodar have been too strong at home. Of course, they lost um, 4-1, 4-0 to Chelsea at home. They, I believe they played two games at home. Did they not play Ren? No, not incorrect. They played Ren away, so... This will be Krasnodar's second home game of the group. They do need to win the game, otherwise they will be out, or virtually out, depending on what happens in the other game in this group, which is the also the other early kickoff, and that is Ren hosting Chelsea. Now, Ren, watching them in Liga this season, they've been very poor. They lost again at the weekend. I know it was the Friday night kickoff. They lost one nil at home to Bordeaux. Their former guy, Atom Benafa, scored the winner. Uh, they they haven't they've been sort of easing Eduardo Camavinga into action this season, and uh, yeah, it'll be a return to um, it'll be a return to Roazon Park for Eduardo Mendy. Of course, I mean just left end during the transfer window. And same thing I said for Sevilla, same applies to Chelsea. If they win, they will confirm progression to the knockout stages. So, of course, you expect Frank Lampard to go full strength. Of course, Thiago Silva did not play against Newcastle on Saturday. So, he'll probably come back in for this game. Of course, back on French soil after leaving PSG in the summer. It is what it is. I expect Chelsea to get all three points away in France. Of course, um, Ren can take a bit of inspiration from their last home game against English opposition. Of course, beating Arsenal in the Europa League 3-1 two years ago. Of course, um, Arsenal came back to win the title 4-3 after winning 3-0 at the Emirates. But they gave Arsenal a very tough time here in the Europa League two years ago. So... Yeah, we'll move on to the move on to the other groups in uh, that are playing on Tuesday. We're going to Group F, which is Borussia Dortmund. We'll start with Borussia Dortmund against Club Bruges. Of course, Jude Bellingham and Jaden Sancho. I'm going to be watching that game to look out for them. As for the standings in that group, Dortmund are currently top, and we'll move on to nine points if they win. Um, I believe they will also. Pretty sure they'll also secure. They will also secure at least a Europa League spot if they win the game. So that's important for them. Club Rouge can go. Could potentially go top of the table if they win out in Dortmund, but that seems very unlikely, especially with the, with Dortmund's home form. They've been. I think they've won. They've only lost to Bayern at home this season, so you would expect Dortmund to get the win against them. The other game in the group, Lazio against Zenit. Now, Zenit are in big trouble. Zenit really need a result in this game. Of course, they gave uh, Lazio a tough time in the return fixture. Of course, it took an 82nd-minute equaliser from Felipe Caicedo to get Lazio the point out in Russia. 
Lazio have been um, slightly hit and miss in the league, but um, now that Chiro Immobile is back in the goals, I think they're starting to slowly find some form again, and you expect them at home to get the job done. And hopefully Lazio can win the game and put them closer to the last 16. On to Group G, Barcelona are away at Dinamo Kiev. They are perfect in the group so far. On nine points, three wins from three, of course, winning away at Juventus. And uh, beating uh, Dinamo in the return fixture 2-1. And, of course, uh, battering Fer and Claros at home. So, in this game, they can secure... They can secure uh, qualification to the last 16 if they win. Uh, that wrapped up with two games to spare. That'll be good for them, especially as they try and salvage what has been a very poor season so far domestically. Of course, they lost. Uh, they have a few injury problems at the moment, of course. Um, losing 1-0 away at Atletico on Saturday. Um, Gerard Piquet got a serious injury. Sergio... Sergio Roberto got injured and it's already been confirmed that he's out for two months. So defensively, they've got problems. I think they're now down to the bare bones. Obviously, they've got Ronald Araujo that can come in at centre-back. They've got uh, Serginho Dest, who didn't start the game against uh, Atletico Madrid. He'll have to come in and get extended game time. But aside from that, this game, you just want to get the three points, minimum fast, get it done, get it wrapped up so that you can start playing the kids in this competition. And... Uh, yeah, focus on uh, salvaging your league form because they're already like nine points adrift of uh, top spot at the moment. Yes, they have a couple of games in hand, but still, do you back them to win those? Not necessarily. So, need to back up their ideas and uh, start playing sooner rather than later. Other game in the group, Juventus against Ferenc Varos. I believe a similar situation to Barcelona. They can more or less secure progression to the knockout stages by winning. And at home, against an inferior side, you'd expect Ronaldo and Co. to have a field day against them. So we went to the last games on Tuesday. And uh, one, we have... Um, ooh, you know, we'll cover Manchester United first. They're at home to Istanbul, Mashaqse. Of course, Mashaqse beat them out in Istanbul uh, just before the international break. 2-1. Goes from Dambabar and Visha before Marcia pulled one back. This game is is this gives a bit of in a bit of a knife edge, of course. Of course, being at Old Trafford, you would expect Manchester United to get the job done, but uh not really playing well at the moment, of course. They struggled to beat West Brom at home. They had to rely on a Bruno Fernandez penalty. There's a shock to win the game. Lucky not to, to give away a penalty. I thought, I thought West Brom should have had a penalty when Bruno fouled uh, Conor Gallagher. Of course, for some reason, the ref gave it, went to the monitor, saw the replay, changed his mind. I'm not sure why, but it is what it is. Manchester United can move on to nine points if they win the game. The other game in the group, PSG against Leipzig. PSG, this is a must-win game. If they lose, they are in serious, serious trouble and in serious threat of dropping into the Europa League because... They would be six points of drift of Leipzig, potentially six points of drift of Manchester United as well, if we're assuming that their man are going to win. So, yeah, like I said, it's a must-win game for PSG. Of course, they have more chance of winning the game now that Mbappe and Neymar are back from uh, injury. Of course, Mbappe played, he played an hour in the game against Monaco where they lost 3-2 on Friday. And certainly Neymar, I know, played half an hour off the bench. So, 
yeah, they'll need their main guys to be fit and firing on Tuesday if they want to beat Leipzig. It's as simple as that, really. Apologies, people. We move on to Wednesday's games. And what's the early games here? Olympiacos against Manchester City. Manchester City, of course, going away to um, going to Greece to face the Greek champions, Olympiacos. And Manchester City are a bit of a strange one because really struggling in the league. They're in lower mid-table, I think they're 13th in the league right now. But in the Champions League, they're scoring goals for fun. They've almost scored as many goals in the Champions League as they have in, as they have in the Premier League. Nine goals in the Champions League compared to ten in the Premier League. So there's uh, questions to be answered there. But, uh, yeah, if they go away to Olympiacos, get the three points, that will be a place in the round of 16 secured. So they'll want to go there, get the job done, so that they can start. Similar to Barcelona, start focusing on uh, patching up their league form again. The other early game, they've got um, Mönchengladbach against Shakhtar. Uh, how's this group looking? Of course, Mönchengladbach are top. So a win for them would put them in a very good spot to qualify from the group, actually. They put them on to eight points. Shakhtar, of course, can get dragged back into that Europa League race, that tight Europa League race. So they need to win. And uh, just for themselves, they need to get some revenge after mentioned Gladbach absolutely wiped the floor with them out in uh, Kiev, being them 6 0. The other game in the group, Inter Real Madrid. Now Lukaku is back for the hosts, and they really need to win. If they don't win, then it looks like the Europa League really beckons for them, really and truly, because. Real Madrid have started to look bad. They're still not their sparkling best, of course. Eden Hazard. Still struggling to find his feet in the Madrid shirt, but uh, yeah, if Real Madrid win, then all their early struggles sort of alleviated. If they lose, they're dragged firmly back into the Europa League battle, so for both teams, it's win or bust. Back to Manchester City's group, Marseille against Porto. Marseille having a torrid time in the Champions League. I'm not sure what's happening with their league games too. They keep getting just postponed for some reason. I don't know if it's something to do with the COVID restrictions in that area of France, but I saw their game at the weekend against Nice was postponed, so I don't know what's going on there. Of course, they're bottom of the group. Zero points, zero goals scored. Can they rectify that against Porto? Who knows? Uh, let's move on to another group. Group A, Atletico Madrid hosting Locomotive Moscow. Of course, they'll be without Luis Suarez, who tested positive for COVID, out on international duty. But uh, they were impressive against Barcelona, I have to say. Yeah, they didn't create mad chances. They weren't mad creative like that, but it was certainly they had, they had control of the game. They shut out Barcelona very well. And I think, certainly, would it be in the first time, certainly I've seen them play with um, playing like a 3-5-2 or maybe like a 5-3-2 with Trippi and Carrasco as wing-backs, uh, Correa and Felix leading the line, uh, Felix leading the line, and then Lorente, who's in midfield? Lorente, Koken, Saul, I think. can't remember. Wasn't really, wasn't really paying attention to the game too tough, but... Because I was watching Dortmund at the same time, but yeah, I, I hope to look them out of Moscow. You expect them to get the job done, of course. Probably should have beaten them in the return fixture, but uh, they'll be looking to rectify that in this game. Get the three points, get them a step closer to qualifying for the round of sixteen. 
Bayern Munich hosting Red Bull Salzburg, of course. They won the return fixture 6-2. And at home, you, you'd expect their massive favourites if they win. They will secure qualification to the knockout stage. So, yeah, we'll move on to the final group. And the final thing to talk about in this podcast. And that's Group D. Oh, wait, no, not the final thing to talk about. My bad. Europa League. Yeah, so Group D, Ajax against Midtjylland. Now, to be fair, I haven't really checked how well Ajax are doing in the era of the visa so far this season. I assume they're like near the top of the table, especially after we're winning against VVV Renner. Let's see what happened. Okay, they beat. Um, okay, I'm not looking at that. No, no, no. What's the most recent game? Uh, they beat Heracles 5 0 yesterday. So, yeah. Midland at home, of course, you think uh, it's probably the easiest game in the group for them. And a chance to really put the pressure on Atalanta to try and get the uh, second spot in the group. Currently level on points with them with four points, of course. A win will take them up to seven points. And of course, with Liverpool hosting Atalanta, very impressive against Leicester. With for all their injuries, just swipe them aside. It's like doesn't matter really. We don't really care who you are. We don't need we don't need Virgil Van Dijk to win a game. We don't need Salah to win a game. We don't need Trent. We don't need we don't need my man to win the game. We'll still slap you. So very ominous for Atalanta, especially the way the way they've been leaking goals recently. So you do worry for them. I do think it'll probably be tired than it was in, uh, in the return fixture, just because they're lacking a bit of their firepower. Although I believe Salah might be back for the game, actually. I'm not sure when his um not sure exactly when he can return to action. I'm not sure if he will be able to train before the game. So maybe maybe he might miss out. But if he does fixture, then it's gonna be peak for Atalanta, really. So yeah, that's the Champions League action. Let's move on to the Europa League action. Lastly, let's look at the any groups in particular I want to look at? I mean, Roma are doing well in their group. I'll get into Arsenal last because I don't even want to talk about them. Man. Too tough. Uh, Rangers Benfica, the return leg. I mean, the game in Portugal is very good. 3 3. Then, then man are level on points with each other on the, at the top of their group. Uh, I know Napoli's group is a bit tight. They're all level on points there. Yeah, is RZ, Napoli, and Sociedad all have six points. Braga, Leicester, of course, Leicester got pammed differently. They got packed in at Anfield. But in the Europa League, they're doing, they're doing calmly, so they want to go, and Braga, to go to Braga, get the three points, get the qualification secured. Lead against Milan, of course, Milan's up of the group, but they got absolutely battered at home by Lille in the return fixture. Three goals to nil. They go to the way to Lille looking for revenge. And as for Celtic in that group, it's embarrassing. Their form is embarrassing domestically. Europe, Europe, embarrassing. Tottenham hosting Ludogorets at home. Their group is looking tight as well, but being at home, don't expect to get three points against them, man. And finally, Arsenal away at Molde. Early kickoff from Thursday, 5-5. Nine points from nine for us so far. Listen, uh, at this point, it's, we, we're just playing dead in it. So I just want the three points. I just want to get qualification. 
secure as soon as possible so I can watch the young G's ball out because I'm getting sick and tired of watching this shit football ever again. I'm really getting sick of it. But yeah, that's that. And that's all from me. Uh, yeah, it's been a good one. It's been a good one. Apologies if I've sounded a bit dead and that, uh, but. You know, when you were, when you have to support Arsenal and watch this dead club play football, uh, it's a bit peak, man. It's peak, man. It's just uh, honestly sucks the life out of you. So, yeah, if I sound a little bit depressed, I apologize for that. I'll try and sound a bit brighter next time, but uh, I'm gonna love and leave you all. Like I said, it's been a good good podcast. Follow me on socials at Johan Yo, to an Instagram, follow Communicado Official. Like I said, Communicado off on Twitter, Communicado underscore official on Instagram. But yeah, that's that. Hammer. Peace.